0: Welcome back to another episode of the Montgomery Companies podcast. I'm your host Jordan Montgomery, and today we take the show overseas, just north of London, England. We find our good friend Nick Bradley, who we are getting to know. Nick is an impressive guy, and I want to tell you a little bit about our new friend Nick Bradley. Nick Bradley is a scale up specialist. He's a coach meets consultant who helps exceptional business leaders unlocked or full potential. He has bought, built, and sold multiple companies and has worked with private equity firms across the U.S., the U.K., and check this out, has been involved in 100 business acquisitions. He's completed over $5.3 billion in deals across eight business sectors and in 11 countries. Nick is across the pond doing big work with a great team. He's also the host of the Scale Up Your Business podcast. If you're a business leader, this episode is for you. If you are in leadership, this episode is for you. And if you care about growing your mind, growing yourself, this episode is also for you. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Nick Bradley. Thanks for being with us.
1: What an awesome, energetic introduction, Jordan. <laughs> that was brilliant, man. And yeah, listen, I'm, I'm ready to go. We can cover all of that. Some of that doesn't bother me. Let's do
0: it. Well, it's not every day, man, that we get to talk to somebody from across the pond. It's also not every day that we get to talk to somebody who's done what you've done on such a large scale. Almost everyone in our audience, Nick, I would submit, cares about growth. Uh, You are a growth machine. You are an engine of growth. You help people grow. You're focused on growth. My first question for you, you talk a lot about mindset and you believe that all things happen twice, right? First in the mind, then in reality, it's a Robin Sharma quote. I think you'd side off on it. Tell us what it means to you to have a growth mindset as you think about scaling up.
1: Yeah, so I, it's funny. I first... yeah I, I, I always look back and think, have I always had this? And then the answer to that is absolutely not. <laughs> There's lots of different things, but I, the way I think of it is this: right? You've got you've got growth mindset and you've got fixed mindset. Fixed mindset is someone who doesn't believe certain things can happen. They, they are normally clouded by what we would call limiting beliefs. They think that um, there is no place for them to develop or grow to improve their skills, all those sort of different things. So quite often, people who are victims, they feel that circumstances are happening, they have no control, they think that other people have made that happen. They tend to live in a fixed mindset. And it's a very suffocating place to be. Now, a growth mindset The context of that is someone who believes that actually anything is pretty much possible as long as they put their, again, their mind, their skills, their attributes, if they're resourceful enough to do it. Uh, They also believe in learning, in growth, that they're always constantly evolving. They're not necessarily the finished article at any point because you're always learning from someone or something. And the reason it's important in business, particularly the scale-up part of the entrepreneurial journey, and we can get into what I mean by you know, the roller coaster ride of entrepreneurship means that you can have your best day and your worst day, and it can sometimes be the same day. And if you're not, you know, if you can't have a control of that emotional state, this ability that, you know, you can, you can do things in different ways, you have to be able to be agile and adjust, then you can be knocked off the perch, so to speak, very quickly on that journey. And one of the things people say to me all the time is, you know, why do you think lots of startups fail, Nick? And you know the figures like eight out of ten in the first couple of years. And I say, listen, I could I could tell you about cash flow, I could tell you about product market fit. It's usually because the founder, the the, the leader of that business, gives up, checks out mentally, and then they realise it's just too hard. And that's fear. It's all those different things. So I would say, as far I'll finish the point here, seventy to eighty percent of your business success, how far you want to take it, particularly through scale up, comes down to mindset.
0: I love that. Well, I know um, that you're a big believer in environment in addition to mindset, right? And that your environment affects your mindset. You know, we always say in your environmental game drives your mental game and your mental game drives everything else in your life. I want to hear about your environment and I also want to hear about your journey. How did you get to where you're at today? You do this fascinating work. You're considered a subject matter expert that gets to collaborate with all these brilliant people. Tell us about your journey and how you got to where you're at today. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a journey of transition and transformation. And, and, and what's funny, right, is people hear
1: like the intro that, that you gave me beforehand. They hear like five billion deals and, you know, hundreds of acquisitions and all this sort of thing. And that's what they hear. But what they don't realize is that the journey towards that. And even now, like, you know, the stuff I'm doing now, I have great days and I have challenging days. Right. But if I go back, I was, I, I grew up in a place called Adelaide, South Australia, and it's right at the very South. It's cold and then it's really hot. So it's like this crazy environment. And it's known for these three amazing things, right? It's known for churches, like heaps of churches, like like stupid amounts, like crazy, right? You look out there over the, the, the vista of the city and there's like hundreds of these spires. Then you've got really big great white sharks, like literally like they did a lot of the filming. The open water scenes in Jaws were filmed in South Australian waters. So we're going back a bit now. And the third thing is serial killers. Like like we have more serial killers or more serial killer murders per capita uh, than any other sort of city in the world, right? It's a true story. None of this is you know, wow. out there, isn't it, right? And certainly when I was growing up, there was weird stuff that happened. So I had that going on. I had uh, my parents split up when I was two uh, my grandfather was probably the main male influence, sort of certainly masculine influence, but he had a heart attack very young at life and everything for him was about safety and security. So back to your question around environment, I was always told, you know, do the safe thing. Go and get a job, go to university, get a degree. You'll be the first person to do it, all this sort of stuff. Get a job, get a get a job. And so I did, I sort of did that. I, did, I went to university But while I was at university, I thought, I'm going to start a business. And I started my first business at 18. And it was a personal training business. We're talking late 80s now, Jordan. I'm showing my age. And so (laughs) no one knew what personal training was back then. And I was doing CrossFit style training with people and getting people in amazing shape before anyone even knew what CrossFit was. And so I had this business. It started to become quite successful. I was finishing off my business degree, my marketing degree. And then the funniest thing happened, right? I had, I had a private studio in a gym. I had three staff members and I just flipped out. I'm like, oh, what am I doing? This is gonna fail. I need, to, I need to stop doing this and I need to go and do what my grandfather and my, my mom and other people in my family had told me to do, which is get a job. So, I sold that business for $3,000 Australian dollars, which is like a Starbucks coffee these days, like literally. (laughs) And I then went into the world of corporate working for some of the biggest media companies in the world. Now, I'll pause there because there's a couple of interesting learnings for people here, I think, in that journey. Back to your question on environment, your programming at all levels is one of the most influential things that then um, causes you to make whatever decision okay, influences the decision. And that decision might be right for you, might might not be right for you. It ended up not being the best decision for me, for the story I'll get into, but it was very symptomatic of the fact that that was what I was around. Now, the gift of that situation, which is really powerful for me, is that by selling that business, it also gave me the momentum, the thought to leave South Australia. So the smart thing I did was leave and go to Sydney, which was the bright lights, big city, but it also gave me the first chance to get out of that environment, not so much because of the serial killers, but because, <laughs> because I was around my family who the money mindset, the success mindset, the entrepreneurial mindset just was not there. And had I have stayed there, you know, at first I wouldn't have kept the job in the in the gym, I wouldn't have had that business, but I would have probably ended up because of the programming, because of the environment, in a similar space to where they have never really transitioned from. Mm. okay there's a lot there's a lot in that so i'll pause but environments your it's everything it's everything and you've got to change it if it's not serving you
0: well and i want to underscore and highlight this point because we didn't mention this in your bio but i know this about you you've competed in a ridiculous amount of marathons and ultra marathons is this true
1: yes 67 marathons and 24 ultra marathons i think is the latest count yeah
0: 67 marathons and 24 ultra marathons? That's incredible. Um, okay, so anybody, like th- that question doesn't necessarily have to do with scaling up, but it does have to do with personal growth, right? And I know that you're a growth junkie. Um, I, can we lean into that for a second? Like what have you learned in, in in competing in 67 marathons and 24 ultra marathons? Like what have you learned out of that? Tell, tell me about that.
1: It has symmetry with what I was saying before as well. Um, I, I believe, right, everything's, everything's really about belief systems in my mind. So we talked about environment. It's also about belief systems. So the, the idea, the concept that, you know, you, you said everything first starts in the mind, then, then it becomes something, you know, th- thoughts become things. So the reason I do stuff like that and, and and the reason I continue to do hard things or things that people may look at from the outside and think are exceptionally strange or unusual or rare is because I'm working my muscles, right? I'm working, I'm working the physicality of it. There is a, there is a physical part which we can get into around, you know, I'm, I'm pretty big into biohacking and energy and all that, but um, that's working my mind. So if you're doing a hundred mile race, there's a point where your body's going to break down pretty quickly. You know, even if you train for it, you know, there's lots of really technical things around that, but there's a point where you will go through your whole life, right? All your life will flash before your eyes in a hundred mile race. You know, every, every decision you've made, everything that you've decided to do, multiple uh, points of adversity where you should, by technical terms, give up. But you don't. So, so I do it because if I then take that forward into business and the deals that I do now, all the acquisitions and stuff, if I take that forward into relationships, it's quite empowering to be able to sit there and have something difficult happen in another area and then have the strength, resilience, confidence, grits that I've run these races, these endurance events. And I kind of go, yeah, bring it on.
0: I believe that uh, physiology affects psychology. And you're clearly taking both seriously, right? As you're aiding and helping other people. I mean, that's extreme. Uh, we've talked about what's gone well and what is going well. I want to hear about what doesn't go well. Tell me about some common mistakes that you see people make when scaling their business. We've got a lot of entrepreneurs on this call. We have a lot of sales leaders on this call. You talk about optimization, leverage, scale, growth. Where do you see people make common mistakes? So I'll
1: answer that in two ways. I'll answer it in in a broader macro way and then we can get technical. So the number one thing, it kind of comes back to the mindset point. The, the number one thing that entrepreneurs don't appreciate or don't understand, and some of them make it through this and some of them don't, is that the identity of who you are changes and needs to change for you to be able to grow and scale your business. So I'll, I'll, I'll unpack that a little bit. So someone who's great at startup isn't necessarily good at scale up because it does take a different mindset, identity, and skill set. And then as you go through scale up, If you want to build an empire, if you want to go really all the way through, have multiple businesses and things like that, I've got seven companies now, you've got to have a different mindset all again, right? Now, what what that looks like is this, if you're a startup guy, girl, then creativity and all those sort of things are really, really important. You kind of like the fact that, you know, it's quite small, it's agile, you might have a few people around you, it could be two people in a shed, you know, like Google, but the definition when you go into scale up is usually when you've got at least sort of 10 to 12 people in your business or more, and all of a sudden you can't control the cogs. So the first transition, the first transformation as a leader is that you, now to be able to, you need to be able to do things through others. This is the leverage point. You need to bring systems and process. If you're a creative and you've suddenly got systems and process, that can feel really painful. But unless you can do that, unless you can turn your business into a machine or the beginnings of a machine, you are always going to get dragged back into the business and you're never going to be able to take it to its potential. You're certainly never going to be able to take it through to you know, the eight figures, the nine figures, the ten figures, some of the big ones, if that's your ambition to do so. So that's, that's the macro. Technically, right, underneath that, what happens? Okay, so the, the, the killers of the business, the things that go wrong, is first and foremost, cash management, right? People kind of in the beginning, you can kind of manage, you can get away with, you know, managing your cash off a spreadsheet or whatever else. But when you've got more complexity, you've got payroll, you've got other things going, suppliers, whatever else, you have to be very precise. And I'll use that word a few times on this, on this conversation. You've got to be super precise. That's the first thing. Second thing is, again, I mentioned leadership. You don't know how to lead people. So all of a sudden you hire the wrong people or you don't incentivize the people you want to keep, all that sort of stuff. And all of of a sudden you've just got this revolving door whereby you're never really getting stability and that becomes a distraction. And all of a sudden you're insular, not external. And then the last one is, and this is a big one for now, is the market as we know it, the world as we know it, geographies, everything's changing at a speed that we've never seen. Part of that's digital, part of that's pandemic, part of that's just Mm -hmm. the fact that everything's increasing. Generations are are changing. There's different values and systems. And so, again, if you're insular, let's let's pull all this together. If you've suddenly gone from not looking outwards anymore because everything's getting chaotic inside and you need to manage the mess, the world changes. The thing that you created to solve a problem in the world may become obsolete, irrelevant much more quickly than you ever anticipated. And I've seen businesses Mm -hmm. that were great literally go from, great to gone in the space of six to 12 months just because of that one thing.
0: What, what are, uh, give me some ideas, Nick, if you're working with a struggling startup and they're trying to scale, uh, let's get really practical. Somebody comes to you and says, Nick, I just can't figure it out. Uh, I'm, str- I'm stressed out, I'm frustrated. You know, I, I still sort of believe in this business, but I might just dump this thing. What are the questions that you're asking someone to identify whether or not the fight is worth it? And how do they know if they're working on the right thing? So when
1: I look at this, and I've, I've, done, I've done a bit of work through trying to make this more analytical, <clears throat> trying, to, trying to make it so we can measure stuff, right? Because measurement is the, one of the other things that's important in the whole scale-up journey. If you don't measure stuff, you're going to never get to where you want to get to. And so let me give you some principles that I believe in. And this comes from, you know, 15 years in private equity. So when we went to make an investment in a business, uh, if we validated and qualified whether it was worth making the investment, we would look through these lenses, okay? So the first one, it's, it comes under the idea of, of a very clear purpose, quite often a customer-driven or a client-driven purpose. So do you really understand what, what it is you're creating? Do you know where you want to take it? And do you know why that matters? Now, that sounds very simple,
0: right? I get that. Say that again because I, I want our listeners to hear that. Say that again.
1: Okay. So, so, the idea is being very clear and intent with the purpose, the reason that the business needs to exist from an external perspective. So, from the client or the customer perspective. And for me, that is understanding, you know, where the business is going. So, that's vision. It could be called vision. Understand where you are now. Understand why it matters that you want to go from A to B and then be clear and precise on the plan to get there. So, what I've just done is I've unpacked the reason the business exists where it's going, directional, and the strategy to get there. You would be so surprised how many um, entrepreneurs, founders, business owners get lost in the scale-up part of the journey. They forget all the stuff that they might have had at the very beginning. And a lot of that is here, but it's really about clarity and focus more than anything else.
0: Loaded question. You've worked on a lot of deals. You've been involved in over 100 acquisitions some crazy number, right? Like 5.3 billion dollars. Um, what are you most proud of with all the work that you've done? I know you're proud of a lot of things in your life in general, but specific to business, specific to your work, Nick, what are you most proud of?
1: You, won't, you probably won't expect this answer, leaving that world. Hmm. I left that world, right? I, 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 a lot of the, I mean, I do stuff now in a similar vein, but I do it in a different way. But I was the guy that was sent into – they're called portfolio companies in the private equity world. Basically, private equity company buys a company and then it's a portfolio company and then they normally bolt other companies onto it and and everything, you know, grow it, sell it. I was the guy, Jordan, who used to go in there and do the failing company turnarounds. So, literally, there's a a movie with um, George Clooney called Up in the Air where he flies around sacking people. And I kind of (laughs) did that for – at least, well, I think it was almost a decade. It was just under a decade. So you can imagine what that was like for your soul. So, what I'm most proud of is being brave enough to take everything that I'd learned, because there was a lot of great skill set stuff, uh, turning turning away from the seven figure salary and trying to just, you know, trying to go my own path, like I did when I was 18. But I didn't go back to doing that for about 25 years. I stayed on, the, I'm not going to call it safe, but, you know, I didn't break away to become more entrepreneurial like I am now uh, until quite late in, the day, late in the day, but I'm proud of doing it.
0: One of our mantras has been, don't think outside the box, blow it up. And you're blowing up the box, man. Uh, creative, different, going against the grain. Appreciate that about how you're operating. What's next for you, Nick, when you think about your journey, the work you're doing today, the work that you want to do in the future, what's next for Nick Bradley.
1: Yeah, so this is, I've got, when I, when I decided to break away from the private equity world or that environment, so again, it's another point back to your environment is everything. It wasn't serving me in who I wanted to be or become, but I didn't realize the detail of that. So I, I, I changed my belief patterns around one very simple concept. There's a Zig Ziglar quote, which is, if you help enough people get what they want in life, you will have everything you want and need in life. It's something like that. And I never heard that before. Never never heard that, right? I was like, you wouldn't hear that in private equity, I can promise. And, <laughs> and I, I've now built my whole business and my life around that quote. Sounds crazy, right? But the podcast is all about that, right? How can I help as many people? Off the podcast, we now have a number of seven-figure businesses, right? Which is crazy. I like can talk about how we did that. It wasn't intentional. In there's a, there's a bit of strategic stuff that's happened around it. But my, my whole thing now is how can I continue on this journey where I'm both helping others and helping myself? Cause I'm growing every day. I've got, you know, mentors and environments. I I go to, when we used to travel, I go to these places and I scare the hell out of myself in rooms with, you know, very successful people and I'm learning. So I'm, I'm on on the, on the path, if you like, to creating a pretty big empire. That's my thing, but not an empire for income. It's not really about zeros in a bank account. It's about impact. And I believe that entrepreneurship is a force for good if it's corralled in the right way. So I'm, I'm looking to build that out, create a foundation, um, help take entrepreneurship through mentoring to some developing countries. And there's a whole other story around that. Because I think that a lot of people who could have access to this really valuable education you know, that you and I both have you know, through different experiences, I'd like to be able to scale that out to more people as a bigger piece. And that, if that's my legacy right? You know, that, that would be huge for me.
0: Well, it's very clear to me that you've done a first-class job of connecting with other humans, right? And surrounding yourself with people who are interesting, uncommon, doing really important work, right? And uh, I've looked at your podcast episodes. I've seen some of the people that you've collaborated with. Uh, I saw that you just recently collaborated with Dave Meltzer, who's a mutual friend of ours. Um, if somebody wanted to collaborate with you, Right. You asked me, why do you do this podcast? And my my answer and your answer were very similar, right? It's well, it's collaborating with people, it's meeting interesting people, it's adding value to people. How does someone collaborate with you, Nick? And where would they find you today if they wanted to connect with you further?
1: Yeah. So the collaboration, and this has been this has been really interesting because when I started out, I'm a big believer in saying yes and figuring stuff out later. Right. But I'm also the contradict or the paradox of that is. You know, smart people say yes, but really smart people say no a lot, right? That's the perfect <laughs> way. So you kind of look at those two things. So, yeah, so I, I collaborate on things that fit my, the mission that I'm on and where I choose to help and serve or dig in because time's important to me, particularly it's one of my, my very strong values is freedom, right, and being able to do what I want when I want. I'm very deliberate and intentional about where something excites me, where I'm good at it, where I think there's some alignment of values. So that's, that's some of the criteria And it's funny the the things that I I get involved in now tend to just naturally happen. They're not forced. And that's another, another kind of thing for me. But if people want to reach out to me, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on mainly LinkedIn. You know, people can get me there all the time. I'm on clubhouse all the blood. I don't know what happened on clubhouse, Jordan. I ended up going on there and I've got some ridiculous number of followers and I'm on stage all the time, right? And I like helping people, so it's great. So people can always kind of ask me a question on stage. Uh and then yeah, listen to the podcast if you want to if you want to hear my ranting Australian stuff. That's the place they can kind of reach out and get some value there and and everything I know, everything I've learned is on those episodes. Nothing's held back and that's that's one of my um values as well.
0: Well, I just want to say thank you man for giving away your truth and your knowledge. Uh you are incredibly accessible. You know, our team does a good, a good amount of research, you know, ahead of these episode, um, uh, episodes on, on our show. And, man, you're out there in the world today making things happen. You're incredibly accessible on social media. You've got a wonderful website. And, again, you've surrounded yourself with incredible people. Um, when I think about this episode and where it stands in our library of episodes, Nick, it's one of the most interesting. You're one of the most interesting. Uh, you were born in Australia. You now live in England. You've done work in the United States, a lot of work in the United States, right? Um, you have done 67 marathons, 24 ultra marathons. You clearly are creative. You stepped outside the box. You've challenged the status quo and you continue to create impact in this world. Um, any final thoughts for our listeners, anything that you want people to know about Nick Bradley?
1: I'll, I'll leave a thought, I think, as opposed to talk about me, because <laughs> I think you know, that's, that is what it is, right? Um, the, the one lesson, if I look back, and I don't regret any of it, right? but I knew what my, my truth or my mission was when I was 18. Didn't quite realize I knew it, <laughs> which is probably the funny thing. But I repressed that and then decided to do what other people expected me to do. So my, my message, if you like, or my insight to everyone listening, if you have that inkling, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, you know what, I'm kind of not living my life. I, I, may, you, I may not even know what that is right now, but it's definitely what I'm doing is not what it should be. I encourage people to scratch that itch. You know, take it somewhere because, you know, like me, you might be lucky, you might find that at some point again on the journey, but it would have been nice to maybe have done that a few years earlier. So there's my, there's my little bit of insight for everyone listening today.
0: I love it, man. Grow your mind, set up the right environment, and scratch that itch. Uh, it's been a pleasure, man, having this conversation with you, Nick. And I look forward to collaborating with you moving forward. If you're not following Nick Bradley, you need to do that now. Go check him out on Instagram, LinkedIn, visit his website. We'll be sure to add all of the handles and uh, our content and through our channels. Uh, Nick, I look forward, man, to uh, working with you for a long time to come. Thank you again for spending the time.
1: No, absolutely great, Jordan. And listen, your preparation, your questions, the intensity, the energy, uh, much appreciated. I've enjoyed our conversation today, so thank you.
0: Well, be well, my friend. Uh, thanks again for spending the time. This has been another episode of the Montgomery Companies Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. want to say thanks again to Nick Bradley, our friend from across the pond of the UK, originally from Australia. 67 marathons, 24 ultra marathons, an entrepreneur, a coach consultant that has created significant impact in this world. Please like, subscribe, and share this episode in an effort to move our mission forward of impacting more people. We want to say thank you to our producer, John Choate, for all the work that you do behind the scenes. It's been a pleasure. Be well, be great. Have a wonderful day.